الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين والصلاة والسلام على أشرف الأنبياء والمرسلين سيدنا ونبينا محمد وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين ومن تبعهم بإحسان لا يوم الدين أما بعد فعن أم المؤمنين أم عبد الله عائشة رضي الله عنها قالت قال رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم من أحدث في أمرنا هذا ما ليس منه فهو رد رواه البخاري ومسلم وفي رواية لمسلم من عمل عملا ليس عليه أمرنا فهو رد الحمد لله respected brothers and sisters we're continuing with the hadith uh, the 40 hadith of Imam al-Nawawi and we mentioned that these 40 hadith are every single one of them the fundamental concepts of Islam revolves around these 40 ahadith. In other words, if you were to take these ahadith, you know, separately, if you single out every single one of these ahadith, each one, it is a fundamental principle in the deen. So this is the fifth principle, you can say. And this principle in Islam is very unique to our deen in this sense that it is one of the means and avenues by which our deen is preserved. And this is something which the other religions do not have to the extent that our deen has. And to, to understand and just to give it first and foremost the um, Translation of this hadith so you understand what is, it, what is the meaning of it. Ummul Mu'mineen, the mother of the believers, Ummi Abdullah, mother of Abdullah, Aisha, radiallahu ta'ala anha says that the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said that anyone who innovates, anyone who innovates a practice to make it a part of the religion, anyone who innovates a practice, and I'm kind of adding so wording so that the, the, the meaning of the hadith is, it makes sense. Anyone who innovates something in the religion, adding something new to the religion, right, as a part of religion, that which is not from it, that which essentially from the beginning was not from it, then it is something that is rejected. Fahuwarad. It is something that is rejected. And this hadith is narrated in Bukhari Muslim. And in the narration of Sahih Muslim, anyone who does an action which has no basis in the religion, in other words, they innovate some practice which there is no basis for it in the original teachings of Islam, that this is something that is rejected. So as we listen to this hadith, we learn a couple of important points, and that is, innovation or innovating a practice in the religion that was not mentioned before there was no basis for it right this type of what we call innovation we know that in worldly matters innovation is very very good right in technology so if we just understand the wordings of this hadith a lot of misconceptions will be clarified. Look at how I've translated this hadith. Anyone who innovates something in the religion, notice when I just say in the religion, 
it automatically exempts everything outside of religion. You want to innovate in business? Wonderful. Knock yourself out. You want to innovate in science? This is very much, you know, encouraged. That is why Muslims and the Muslim civilization was the most innovative civilization in the history of humanity. In chemistry, in astronomy, in, in architecture, in every aspect that you could look, you see the Muslim civilization was flourishing because they believed in innovation in everything worldly. And this is where we have a very, there's a huge misunderstanding. And this is why understanding the wording of the hadith is extremely important. Innovation in worldly matters, 100%. Innovation in religious matters, absolutely unacceptable. And this is an amazing uh, tool, an instrument by which this religion in its tenets, in its practices, as ritual practice, as tenets of faith, as practice in the religion. We don't have Christmas in Islam. We don't have Santa Claus. We don't have Halloween. People are trying to bring all these things, right? Why we don't have Halloween? Why we don't have Easter Bunny? Just think about it. Christianity has the Easter Bunny. It has Santa Claus. It has, I mean, even though it's not part of the religion, but they've almost, to a certain extent, has become part of religion. It's almost become part and parcel. You know, Christmas trees inside of houses. You know, and huge, a whole bunch of other things that, you know, has become part of, you know, actual, like, Christian practice. If you look at it, it's, it's, it's mind-boggling. All of these outside elements how much foreign elements has entered into the religion it's mind-boggling how is that is because they don't have this concept of reprehensible innovation unacceptable innovation right and this is that what we call in islam bid'ah muhdathat right so a very important qaida a very important rule, a very important fundamental pillar of our religion is that we have this concept which is for the preservation of this deen. Look, why is this? Why can't we add to the religion? Right? Why can't we innovate in the religion? And a very simple answer to that is this ayah of the Quran. Remember this ayah? Al-yawma akmaltu lakum deenakum. Al-yawma akmaltu kamula. Akmala yukmilu ikmal comes from kamal perfection. This day, this was the right, uh, the, the, the day of Arafah in Hijjatul Wida, in the life of the Prophet, ﷺ, the farewell Hajj on the ninth of the Hijjah, the day of Arafah, and you know, uh, in, 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 the, in the mount there when the Prophet ﷺ was giving his farewell khutbah, these ayat were revealed to the Prophet, this day I have perfected for you, completed for you your religion. Akmaltu lakum deenakum. I have completed for you this deen. In other words, what do you mean completed? Well, so the deen was incomplete? No. In regards to its commandments, in regards to all of the things that was supposed to be during the lifetime of the Prophet revealed to him until that became so supposedly like, like a building. Allah Azza wa Jal during the lifetime of the Prophet was iqamatu deen, was establishing the deen while he was alive. Because we know that 
we didn't start with five daily prayers, right? It was like tahajjud prayer. That was the only prayer that was fard upon us. Slowly and gradually, this deen was being revealed through a period of 23 years until in Hijjatul Wida, perhaps three years before the Prophet ﷺ passed away, right? There was a final ayat was being revealed. And that was, Al-Yawma Akmaltu Lakum Deenakum. So it was this gradual right perfection gradual completion so allah azza wa revealed this al yawma akmaltu lakum deenakum this day i have completed for you this religion or the commandments of this religion but remember those people that were practicing islam in makkah and they passed away practicing islam before this ayah they were they were practicing it complete do you get my point? So don't think that those people who performed Salat facing Jerusalem, their religion was in some way incomplete. Do you understand? At that time, it was complete. And as gradually, it was at every era while those people were practicing it, it was complete. It wasn't incomplete. Or there may have been a time where fasting was not binding upon the Ummah as of yet. Right? Fasting of the month of Ramadan was made binding in Medina. People in Makkah did not fast the month of Ramadan. You understand? Like points like this. So that doesn't necessitate that maybe those Muslims who passed away in Makkah, Khadija radiallahu anha, she passed away in Makkah, or many of the other companions who may have passed away in the early, that doesn't mean that they were pr practicing incomplete Islam. It was complete in its time. But as far as we're talking about, as if we look at Islam as a building, if we look at Quran as the complete book, right, 30 sipadas, in each era, those people who are reading that, that was complete for them. It was complete at every time. But as the message for humanity, till the day of judgment, it became completed in Hijjatul Wida. Now, after this ayah, there is no need for us to add anything to it. There is no need for anyone to add anything to it. Now, if there are anything that was that may have, it seems like it was added, this was not an addition in the religion. It was something to facilitate. It was something to facilitate or you can say assist, facilitate, increase, proliferate what was already there. I'll give an example. Somebody might say, well, the Qur'an was not in a complete book form in the lifetime of the Prophet. So this is a reprehensible innovation in the religion. Well, first and foremost, it's not in the religion, right? We did, it's not a, an article of faith that was introduced. It wasn't a second ritual practice that was added to the religion. Qur'an existed. Pamphlets, pages of surahs existed. Quran was written. Quran was compiled in maybe surah forms. One surah, two surahs, on a deer skin, on a camel bone, on a shoulder bone. It was all, this, the, the concept existed. You all understand what I'm saying? But the fact that it was compiled in one, you can say, 30 juz, in one place, this was, how can you say, facilitating something that already existed, making it easier upon people, facilitating something that already was 
it was already there. You understand? Another thing is institutions, madaris, Islamic institutions. It didn't exist in the time of the Prophet. Everybody just came to the masjid. But now again, what do we understand? This does not have to do with any of the tenets of faith or practice. Do you guys? It's, it's facilitating what already existed. Do you get my point? It's facilitating, proliferating, helping something that already existed, which was teaching and learning. Right? The circles of teaching and learning already existed. Now what do they do? They're building a building to facilitate what already existed in practice. You understand? So in theory, it already existed. It's not something that you're doing new. We have a hadith dars every, for example, Saturday night. The Prophet may have not done a hadith dars every Saturday night. But the concept of teaching the words of the Prophet, this existed in the lifetime of the Prophet, this is teaching and learning, we're not adding something new. We're having on Saturday night because this is something that it's just the availability of the people. We are proliferating something that already existed in concept. You guys understanding this point? It's a very important point to understand. So that nobody can say like, oh, this is a reprehensible innovation. Now, what if we were to do this? Right? Let's all, after Isha prayer, right, get together and perform another prayer in Jamaat. We're all going to get together every day after Isha, and we're going to perform another prayer in Jamaat. What do you guys think about that? This is an innovation. Why? Because prayer in Jamaat, prayer in congregation, it's sanctioned in the Sharia and in the Sunnah five times a day. And an extra one where you can say it's Tarawih. There's actually, and the Eid prayers. So there's, for example, the five daily prayers, Salatul Jumu'ah, and the Eidain and Taraweeh. These are what we see in the life of the Prophet that was sanctioned. Now, for example, a lot of people ask us, and this is why the Hanafis and the Shafi'is have a little bit of difference of opinion about that. You know that some people do like Qiyamul Layl fil Jama'ah. In the Hanafiyyah, hada bid'ah. So according to us, this is our viewpoint, is that the Prophet did not sanction Qiyamul Layl as a salah jima'i, a congregational prayer, because you had taraweeh already. That's done. Why are you having another qiyamul layl, which is tahajjud? Salatul taraweeh is sanctioned. The salat, what they call shabina, or they call it qiyamul layl, and even though, for example, they do it in the haramayn al sharifain, but the ahadith that they use is the pro- what the Prophet was doing inside of his home with Abdullah bin Abbas, who was a young child, he grabs his ear and he brings him to, to his side. We say that this is not, there's no tada'i in this. This is, for example, a man praying in his home with some of his family members to now make a congregational prayer is a bid'ah. Like I said, there's a little bit of difference of opinion in this regard, but I'm, I'm just saying the concept why this would not be acceptable is because we say that Prayer in congregation is something sanctioned in the religion and set. These are set things. Do you get my point? So when these are set things that 
The five daily prayers, there's jama'ah. The taraweeh, the Prophet did it. Like the reason why he stopped was because of the fact he didn't want it to become fard upon his ummah. So he did it for three nights and then he stopped after that. That made it a permissible to do, but he discontinued that it doesn't become fard. You have the Eid prayers, that's a specific time, that's jama'ah. Huh? Yeah, Salatul Istisqa as well. So, so they're very, very specific. Prayer for rain, there's a jama'ah, and then prayer for uh, the eclipse. So these are, there's a couple of them that have been there, but now just a random, let's just say, everybody gets together after Isha, let's do Salat with Jamaat together, you know, everybody together. This would not be acceptable. Why? Because now we're adding a ritual practice outside of what has already been sanctioned, which was not from the practices of the Prophet or the companions. Okay? So I think that's pretty clear. Another point to understand about this hadith is, as is mentioned by Ibn Daqiq al-Eid, rahimahullahu ta'ala, a very great uh, Shafi scholar, he says, هذا الحديث قال العلماء إنه ميزان ظاهر العمل وحديث عمر الذي في أول هذا الكتاب إنما الأعمال بالنيات ميزان باطن العمل لأن العمل له نية وله صورة Subhanallah, this is a very, very beneficial point. You guys remember the hadith, إِنَّمَا الْأَعْمَالُ بِالنِّيَاتِ إِنَّمَا الْأَعْمَالُ بِالنِّيَاتِ is the internal reality of our actions. It's the soul and the spirit of our actions. إِنَّمَا الْأَعْمَالُ بِالنِّيَاتِ Verily, every deed is assessed and every deed gets life and it gets existence, validity or invalidity. Reward or not reward. Punishment or success. It's all dependent upon a person's intention. So your intention is the root of your deeds. But now listen to this. This hadith, this hadith is the, the body of your actions. Right. Every deed is based on its intention. This is the batin of, the, uh, of your amal. It's the internal of your amal. It's the soul of your amal. That without intention, no action has life. For example, if I'm going to pray to show off to people, my action is dead. It's dead. Even though externally it has life. Externally it has a shell. Internally it's dead because the intention is not there. It's rotten to the core. So, is amal. And this hadith, anyone who innovates a practice, considering it to be part of the religion, making it part of the religion, then it is not accepted. For me, this we understand that the action, in order to be acceptable from the outside perspective, it has to be on the sunnah. And, right, this hadith, it is zahirul amal. And the ulama call this hadith mizanul amal. Subhanallah. The ulama call this hadith mizanul amal. The 
the scale, mashallah, the scale of your amal, that by which we weigh, is this amal valid or invalid? There is an internal validity, and then there's an external validity. The internal validity is your intention right. You have a right intention. But there's an external validity, is that that action has to be done according to the sunnah, how it was sanctioned by the Prophet ﷺ. Very important point to understand. This is called Mizanul Amal. Innahu Mizanu Zahir Al Amal. Ibn Daqiq Al Aida says, لِأَنَّ الْعَمَلْ لَهُ نِيَّةٌ وَلَهُ صُورَةٌ Every action has an intention, and every action has then an external form. And that is why we have to be very careful. You can have a very clean intention. For example, a person says, I'm going to start praying nafil prayers after Asr. I'm going to pray nafil after Salatul Asr. I'm going to pray nafil after Salatul Fajr. And a person is continuously is praying nafil after performing Salatul Asr. This action, even though his intention is pure, his batin is completely clean. Yeah. A person, the Prophet ﷺ said, لا صلاة بعد الفجر وبعد العصر Hadith al-Bukhari There is no salah لا صلاة بعد الفجر وبعد العصر Now a person, he has completely pure intention I want to make Allah Ta'ala happy I'm not doing any crime And many people say this I'm not committing any crime I'm not doing anything wrong I'm performing salah But you're performing salah in a time in which, which is not sanctioned by the Prophet this is something very important, my dear brothers and sisters. Khudara as dil khud khush nasas. Tu khudara as dil khud khush meisazi. Ira megan bid'at. Bid'a is making Allah happy according to how you want it. And sunnah is making Allah happy according to how Allah wants it. Understand this very clearly. Muhdathatul umur. Bid'a, this is bid'a. Bid'a is something which is a reprehensible innovation. Reprehensible innovation in the religion. Bid'ah is making Allah Ta'ala trying to please Allah in your own way. I'm going to perform nawafil at this particular time. Right? And for example, it's the time of the setting of the sun. The Prophet Ali prohibited prayer at the setting of the sun. A person wants to perform Salatul Nafil at the rising of the sun. The Prophet ﷺ prohibited Salat at the time of rising of the sun. Why? That is the time where the sun worshippers prostrate to the sun. Now you're saying, I'm, my intention is very clean. His intention, his batinul amal could be very, very pure. But his action is mardud ali. His action is completely rejected and is not accepted. Why? Because it is not in accordance with the sunnah. So this is a very important thing we understand about the sunnah is that this hadith tells us what is mizanul amal. Hal al-hadith, kama qala al-ulama. This is Ibn Daqiq al-Eid, one of the great Shafi'i ulama of usul, great, great faqih, jurist, muhaddith, Ibn Daqiq al-Eid. 
هذا الحديث كما قال العلماء إنه ميزان ظاهر الأعمال إنه ميزان ظاهر الأعمال It is the scale by which we judge the ظاهر of your أعمال How do we know that any action is acceptable inside of Allah? You just weigh it and you compare it like a cookie cutter. Compare it to the amal of the Prophet والسلام, and the Sahaba. The Prophet والسلام, told us and warned us and explained to us and foretold us فَإِنَّهُ مَنْ يَعِشْ مِنْكُمْ بَعْدِي فَسَيَرَى اِخْتِلَافًا كَثِيرًا فَإِنَّهُ مَنْ يَعِشْ بَعْدِي فَسَيَرَى اِخْتِلَافًا كَثِيرًا Any one of you who is going to live after me, you're going to see a lot of differences of opinion. You're going to see a lot of confusions. فَعَلَيْكُمْ بِسُنَّتِي وَسُنَّةِ الْخُلَفَاءِ الرَّاشِدِينَ الْمَهْدِيِّينَ مِنْ بَعْدِي So follow my sunnah. And follow the sunnah of my rightly guided khulafa. Bite on to it with your hold on to it tightly. Bite on to it from with your back molars. Hold on to it tightly. Firmly hold on to it. And beware of the newly invented things in the religion as religious practices. I'm clarifying this in the brackets so we don't think that scientific innovation is bad. Islam does not believe in this Christian concept. Again, I'm going to reiterate this. How do we translate that? Anyone who innovates a religious practice in the religion. Now, this exempts, this is mustafna, all of the things which is scientific innovation. Everything which is technological advancements, scientific innovations, is exempted from this. These muhdathatul umur we want. These muhdathatul umur, the Muslim civilization was at the peak because we encouraged this type of innovation. We love this type of innovation in astronomy, in biology, in chemistry, in architecture, in science, in medical. We love that. In the religion, you don't need it. Remember, in technology, the more recent and the more updated you are, the better. In religion, the older you are, the better. Okay? Your religion is not an iPhone. Just remember this. If you don't remember anything else, remember this. Your religion is not an iPhone. You don't need the newest version. There's no new version. Go to the oldest version. Sunnah of Rasulullah Sallallahu Sunnah of the Sahaba Kiram radiallahu anhum. Your, your, your deen is not iPhone. Your iPhone, <laughs> get the latest one. Your laptop, get the newest chip, get the newest technology. Understand? Your religion, you don't need to update your religion. You need to adhere to that religion which was preserved by the Sahaba. So we have two words. Al-ibtida' wal-ittiba' Fiddin al-ittiba' In our deen, we want adherence. Strict adherence. And in worldly things, we like ibtida. No problem. We like innovation. In matters of worldly things, no problem. We innovate as much as we want. Innovation is good in business and science. I'll give you a beautiful hadith in this regard. The Sahaba radiallahu anhum, 
they used to do something called ta'birun nakhl it was cross-pollination. They used to take from the male flower and they would mix it with the female. They would mix the, what do you call the pollen. It's called cross-pollination. And when they would do this, subhanAllah, it was something which was, it, it, it was an advancement or it was, a, you can say, a agricultural practice that was very innovative. This is innovation. This is ihdath. This is a very innovative practice. They would take the pollen from one tree and they would put it in the flower of the other tree, the male and the female, and it would give more fruit. So they came and they asked, Ya Rasulullah, this is what we do. What do you think? Should we do this or we shouldn't do this? So the Prophet والسلام, his most beautiful temperament and his mizaj latif, and his very uh, natural disposition that he had was to leave everything according to the natural way. To not, you know, disturb the, you know, to not disturb the way of nature. Leave everything naturally. Don't disturb the, the system. Leave it as it is. What's wrong? Just leave it. After the harvest, they came back. They said, Ya Rasulullah, this year, we did not get that much harvest. We did not get that much crop that we usually do. You told us not to do it. And Sahaba were very, very honest. So, what did the Prophet ﷺ tell them? He said, Antum a'lamu bi umuri dunyakum. Antum a'lamu bi umuri dunyakum. You are more knowledgeable of your worldly matters. I don't care about your worldly matters. Then do it. I just gave a bashwara. I gave my advice. If it, benefit, if it didn't benefit you, no problem. Continue to do it. In other words, this beautiful hadith shows us the matter of ihdath fi dunya is good. And the Prophet ﷺ, he has a hadith. He said, leave me in those matters which I have not mentioned to you in detail. Leave those matters. Yani, don't go into those issues which I leave you open. In other words, in matters of dunya, that was just an advice that I gave. I'm not a farmer. And you are more knowledgeable of these matters of farming and agriculture. So that was just my, that was my rai in that matter. And remember, the Prophet ﷺ, in matters which do not relate to religious things, in matters which do not relate to the deen, in matters which don't relate to the wahi, the Prophet ﷺ could be in, in the you know the Prophet ﷺ could be you know in his advice uh, you know correct, and in the Prophet ﷺ in his advice could be you know other than that. So here, the Prophet ﷺ is showing that in the matters of dunya. It's, there's no, nothing wrong for you to innovate and to use these different methodologies of innovation. But in matters of deen, the Prophet ﷺ, right, he was not accepting anything which, right, was not part of the deen. Hafiz ibn Hajar 
rahimahullah, the great muhaddith, he says, وَهَذَا الْحَدِيثِ قَاعِدَةٌ عَظِيمَةٌ مِّنْ قَوَاعِدِ الدِّينِ This hadith is a major principle from the principles of the deen. And it's because we have this principle in the religion, alhamdulillah, that we don't have Christmas and Halloween and the Easter bunny and Santa Claus. This is the reason why we don't have that. Because there's such a strict matter of preserving things that are outside elements, Christian elements. That's why there's always debates among scholars. Some people say, oh, here comes the debate again. Mawlid, should you do it? Should you not do it? You know, you know this whole thing, Sheikh, should you do it? Should you not do it? You know, this matter and that matter and Mawlid. And, and people look at it as, you know, it's like a curse. It's not a curse. This is a great blessing that we have scholars that are very, very concerned from, about preserving the religion from outside elements. Right? My personal matter is, we look at, you know, what the mashayikh and the scholars have said. You have hundreds and dozens of scholars that approve of a specific matter. You have dozens of scholars that are saying that something is good, right? And in that matter, then we observe silence, right? We observe silence and we leave people to what is their practice and what is their rujhan, what is their inclination. Do you understand? And we don't go and start, uh, you know, becoming the halal haram police, the bid'ah police, right? Once we understand this matter, there is another whole issue is how the scholars have understood. Where the debate lies in some of these issues is can we find a basis in this or not? Is there a valid basis? Because innovation is something which has no basis in the religion. You just made it up and it's a newly invented practice and so on. So sometimes about certain matters, there might be a debate among scholars about it being bid'ah or not a bid'ah because of the fact that some scholars do see a basis and others say, well, you know, we don't see any clear basis for this. They said, no, 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 this is just praising of the Prophet and reading salawat al-Nabi and reading poetry and reading about his life and giving dars of hadith and giving sadaqat and charity on this blessed day and so on and so forth. And all of that is found in the sunnah. And other scholars say specifying a day and, you know, uh, making this like an Eid and specifying a day and making it binding and making it like, you know, a, a thing, like it's a third Eid. Now you have created something in the religion that may have not existed neither in the Prophet's time or the time of the Tabi'een or the Sahaba. Therefore, we avoid this. So now you have a case in which I'm, I'm using like the Mawlid as an example of a case. This is a case study. Case study of bid'ah. Is it or is it not? And in matters like this, right, there's a couple of, mashallah, hadith that is mentioned here that I like to share. Qala Azza wa Jal, the ulama mentions, uh, so just to go from the top, أَعْلَمَ أَنَّ هَذَا الْحَدِيثَ أَصْلٌ عَظِيمٌ فِي إِبْطَالِ الْمُنْكَرَاتِ This hadith is a major basis for the rejection of these newly invented things in the religion. The Prophet Allah Azza wa Jal says, وَأَنَّ هَذَا سِرَاطِي مُسْتَقِيمًا فَاتَّبِعُوهُ This is the straight path, follow it. وَلَا تَتَّبِعُوا السُّبُولَةِ 
Don't follow these divergent paths. فَتَفَرَّقَ بِكُمْ عَنْ سَبِيلِهِ Otherwise, that will take you away from the straight path. وَرَوَدْ دَارِمِي أَنَّهُ صَلَّى اللَّهِ وَسَلَّمَ خَطَّ خَطًا The Prophet ﷺ drew a line. ثُمَّ قَالَ هَذَا سَبِيلُ اللَّهِ Right, the Prophet ﷺ said, this is the straight path. ثُمَّ خَطَّ خُطُوطًا عَنْ يَمِينِهِ وَعَنْ شِمَالِهِ And then the Prophet ﷺ made lines on his right and left side of the straight path. ثُمَّ قَالَ هَذِهِ سُبُلٌ عَلَى كُلِّ سَبِيلٍ مِّنْهُ شَيْطَانٌ يَدْعُوا إِلَيْهِ And these are the different pathways, and in each of these paths is a devil that calls to it, taking you away from that straight. ثُمَّ تَلَى الْآيَةِ وَأَنَّ هَذَا سِرَاطِي مُسْتَقِيمًا فَاتَّبِعُوهُ وَلَا تَتَّبِعُوا السُّبُلَ فَتَفَرَّقَ بِكُمْ عَنْ سَبِيلِهِ وَقَالَ عَزَّ وَجَلْ فَإِن تَنَازَعْتُمْ فِي شَيْءٍ فَرُدُّوهُ إِلَى اللَّهِ وَالرَّسُولِ If you have any argument, if you, if you debate about a matter, right? If you have any, you know, questions about a matter, you have a debate about a matter, then فَرُدُّوهُ إِلَى اللَّهِ وَالرَّسُولِ Then return your, you know, confusion or your debate or your decision. Let the, Allah... And his messenger decide the matter. Today, when you know Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and the messenger, what does that mean? The messenger وسلم, has passed away. But the messenger here, Allah and his messenger means the book of Allah and the sunnah of the messenger of Allah. Qala Maymun ibn Mehran min tabi'in. Qala Maymun ibn Mehran min tabi'in. ila kitabihi wa ila rasulihi fi hayatihi. وَإِلَىٰ سُنَّتِهِ بَعْدَ مَمَاتِهِ Maymun ibn Mahran, who was from the jurists of after the time of the companions, he said, when we return to the book of Allah and the messenger himself while he's alive and after the Prophet has passed away, to the book of Allah and to his sunnah. Go back to the sunnah. And that is why in matters such as the Mawlid, for example, or matters of such as other things like that, just go back and say, if the Prophet ﷺ did not do it, or if the Sahaba did not do it, or if the Tabi'een did not do it, let's not kill each other over it. You know, don't, don't, don't beat a dead dog. Don't debate about a matter that, okay, did the Prophet do it or no? He didn't do it, okay. Why are you making ilzam on me? Why are you forcing me? Why are you excluding me from Ahlul Sunnah wal Jama'ah? A person doesn't want to do it. Don't make now. This is this this is even what what magnifies a bid'ah. Like for example, we have a dars. This is a hadith dars every Saturday night. Now I say all the people who don't come to this, they're excluded from Ahlul Sunnah wal Jama'ah. The people who don't accept this gathering, they're excluded from Ahlul Sunnah wal Jama'ah. Now this is a reprehensible innovation of another caliber. Leave the people. Farudu wal Rasul. If Allah and His Messenger, they did not sanction it. The Prophet never did anything like that. Don't make an issue out of it. And I, I believe a lot of things. In many, many places, so much energy of scholars and people is wasted on these matters. I personally, people love the, the you know, I'm, I'm using the Mawlid debate because it's a hotly debated topic about something which is bid'ah or sunnah. I personally say, look, I, I left even debating this matter because many, many, for example, scholars, Mullah Ali Qari or... Uh, Ibn Hajar al-Haytami and many other scholars, there are people who have said, okay, it's something that is good. It's something that is good. 
My scholars that, you know, the, the, the ulama that we follow, we say, they, they say that it's a bid'ah. But there are scholars on one side, there are scholars on the other side. Again, again, each one of them, their issue and their debate is establishing basis for something. Establishing basis. In that matter, you just leave it. Those people who see a basis in it, they see a basis in it. And those who don't, everything فَرُدُّهُ إِلَى اللَّهِ وَالرَّسُولِ In the end, right, nobody should hold somebody else accountable that why are you not doing this? Rather, the question should be asked, why are you doing this? The asal is to not do it, actually. The asal is to not do it. That's, that's, the, that's the fundamental basis because it wasn't done by the companions of the Sahaba. You get my point? Our mizaj should be this. You understand mizaj? Mizaj means your temperament. Your understanding should be this, that if something is not done by the Prophet or the companions or the Sahaba or the Tabi'een, as religious practice, remember, oh, well, the Sahaba and Tabi'een, they didn't drive, you know, uh, Dodge Caravan either. That's a dumb, we're not even talking about that. We already, we already established that fact, right? That we're not talking about worldly innovation. We're talking about things invented in the religion as a religious practice. Mawlid is a third Eid. Mawlid is celebrated as a third Eid. This is a matter that does not exist, did not exist in the religion. You can beat yourself up as much as you want. It did not exist in the time of the Prophet or the Sahaba or the Tabi'een. Plain and simple. You understand what I'm saying? So the mizaj should be this. Like, and, I, and like I said, I'm not running after people and branding people that you're this, that, and other. If you see a basis in it and you follow the scholars that see a basis in it, that's your understanding of the religion. But when you rudduhu ilallahi wa rasul, you go back, look, this was not a practice in the Khairul Qurun, and the people who do it themselves, they also attest to that fact. This was not an action that was done in Khairul Qurun. So leave the matter, don't become militant about issues like this. <laughs> Choose your matters wisely. People are leaving Islam. People are becoming murtad. People are becoming atheists. Don't make these matters matters of debate that you would waste your energy on. You understand? Those people who want to remember Allah, that the Prophet ﷺ, they don't have to do it once a year. They could do it, mashallah, every single day, every single week, you know, all the time. You don't need to pick a, 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 a one day out of the year in order to do that. My point is, is that when we understand this hadith, this hadith is one of the qawaid of the deen. Anyone who innovates an action, who does an action in the religion that is not part of the religion, the religion from the Quran and the Sunnah and the practice of the companions in the Khairul Qurun, it will be rejected. It is not accepted of him. This should be your mizaj. This should become part of your that. That when you see something, take it back. The Prophet and the Sahaba and the Tabi'een, and I'm extending that because the Prophet sanctioned that, that era. Right? What did he say? Right? He said, uh, The best qarn and the best generation is mine, then that which follows, and then that which follows. It says here, Abu Dawood narrates from Hudayfa. Hudayfa ibn al-Yaman. Every act of worship that the Sahaba did not do, then don't do it. Every act of worship that the Sahaba did not do, don't do it. 
It's plain and simple. It's very, very simple. Just be, it should become second nature for you. It should be part of your, you know, your understanding, your feel. And that's, that's the easiest way to go about it. قال الشافعي رحمه الله ما أحدث وخالف كتابا أو سنة أو إجماعا أو أثرا فهو البدعة الضالة. إمام الشافعي clarifies anyone who innovates something that goes against he innovates in the religion. Again, I'm clarifying this. Innovate in the religion. You want to innovate in your phone. You want to innovate in medical science. You want to innovate in technology. You want to innovate in computers. Innovate and keep going. Don't stop. But in the religion, there is no innovation. Right? So, وَمَا أُحْدِثَ وَخَالَفَ كِتَابًا وَسُنَّةً Somebody, he invents something. He innovates something. And it goes clearly against the book and the sunnah. Somebody opens up an organization that helps feed the orphans and the widows. And every day after Asr, they go door-to-door collecting funds from people to distribute it to the orphans and the widows. This is not done in the time of the Prophet. This is a bid'ah. What do you say? Imam al-Shafi clarifies that. مَا أُحْدِثَ وَخَالَفَ كِتَابًا أَوْ سُنَّةً This action, in its method, the methodology might be different. But the asl, that's the point. There is a basis for the action. The Prophet do you understand it? That Mawlana Yasir has, mashallah, Al-Misbah Foundation. Al-Misbah Foundation, for example, they have a specific system of you know, collecting funds for the needy people in the community, and every day they have collections at the masajid. And, well, that wasn't done in the time of the Prophet Well, remember, the wasail, the methods that are used might be different, but the asl is the same. Collecting of funds, helping of the poor, distributing of money. If it's done through one way or if it's done through another way. The way or the means that is done, that doesn't fall in the category of bid'at because that's not religion. You understand? That's not religion. That doesn't fall in the category of the religion. That is all things to facilitate. Remember what we were saying? If something facilitates, benefits the religion, it's a method that will facilitate ease in getting charity from people. Conveying the money to the people. We're using the internet to donate to the people, right? Nobody pressed a button to donate money to the poor. People took the money and gave it to the poor themselves. He said, oh, this is a bid'ah because I donated money by pressing a button. The Sahaba didn't donate the money by pressing a button. See, it's bid'ah. Again, these are wasail. They are means. They are means that facilitate the asl. The asl, the actual thing is established from the sunnah, which is giving charity. The means, you could use any means possible. People didn't go hajj on, on, on airplane. People went hajj on camel. This is the, the, the plane is the means. Then you can go on a spaceship. You can go on a rocket. You could shoot yourself out of a catapult. You know? It doesn't matter. The means is not the point. It's the asl going. Man istata'a sabila. So here Imam al-Shafi says, مَا أُحْدِثَ وَخَالَفَ كِتَابًا أَوْ سُنَّةً Is that action that is a foundation, that is donating, 
pressing a button, making a website, right? Having these different wasail. Al wasail la tahtaj ila dalil. Al wasail, yani al wasila ila amal la tahtaj ila dalil min al kitabi aw sunnah. Before they were doing jihad with swords and arrows. Now the jihad is done through, right? Other means. The objective is the same. Difa and defense and protection and establishing the deen of Allah Azza wa Jalla. You understand? So the wasail is not important. The wasail can be yakhtalif fi ikhtilaf al-zaman. Al-wasailu takhtalifu bi ikhtilaf al-zaman. Al-wasail la tahtaju ila dalil. The asal is what we look at. That's why Imam Shafi'i's kalam here is very important. Ma uhditha wa khalafa kitaban aw sunnatan. That which is innovated. And that innovation goes against the kitab and the sunnah. Aw ijma'an, or the ijma of the companions. Aw atharan, or any, for example, statement of the, of, of the, of the uh, companions. فَهُوَ الْبِدْعَ الضَّالَّةِ وَمَا أُحْدِثَ مِنَ الْخَيْرِ And that which comes about of khair. That which people innovate of khair. Such as a you know, charity foundation. Such as a charity, charity foundation. This is an innovation. Let's just say everybody in the masjid gets together, say, every day after Asr, we're going to send some people and say, donations for the poor. And we collect these donations and we bring it back to the masjid and then we distribute it to all the poor people. Did this happen in the time of the Prophet? No, not in this way. So that's why Imam Shafi says, وَمَا أُحْدِثَ مِنَ الْخَيْرِ وَلَمْ يُخَالِفْ شَيْئًا مِنْ ذَلِكَ فَهُوَ الْبِدْعَةُ الْمَحْمُودَةِ So he's just saying that it is something with, I mean, you don't even need to call it a bid'ah. It's mahmud. Like some, some our scholars say we don't believe in bid'ah hasana. It's, it's established. If it's established, you don't need to call it a bid'ah, right? Anyways. The other narration, Anyone who himself does an action and it is not according to the sunnah of the Prophet then it will not be accepted of him. Again, to reiterate a very important point to understand that this hadith, to do your actions according to the sunnah, The sunnah is the scale by which your external actions are based upon. The niyyah is what your internal action is based upon. The niyyah gives life to your actions. Right? The sunnah, right, it gives validity to your actions. So we have the internal aspect, that is the niyyah. And then you have the external aspect, and that is the sunnah. And any action that is not done on the sunnah, Right? It won't be acceptable. This is something for us to understand. May Allah give us tawfiq to understand what has been said.